Thanks for coming back to join us on Entrust, Equipping Leaders. Quick trivia question. Have you heard of a Trabant? The Trabant was a car manufactured in the Soviet-controlled East Germany during the Cold War. Famous for being very small, very lightweight, and very trouble-prone. For short, people called them Trabbies, and you will hear about a wayward Trabby today. Today we're launching some storytelling episodes, stories from Entrust's cloak and dagger days, when it was sneaking ministry training behind the Iron Curtain. You'll hear why that happened then, why it matters now, and how you can be a part of it all going forward. Today, Lori Lind welcomes Nick Nadelchev from Bulgaria and Stephen Olson, an American who lives in Austria. Welcome to brother Stephen Olson and Nick Nadelchev to the Entrust Equipping Leaders podcast. It's great to see you both. And we have a lot of history to talk about and then things in the present time to talk about. But maybe we can start just with a funny story, which is very exciting. There's We have a photograph of the two of you standing in front of a beautiful body of water. And I think there's quite a story behind that picture. Can you tell us what's going on there? Yes, we have been privileged to be part of that training team with Mr. Stephen crossing Bulgaria from north to south, from east to west and the opposite side. And this was journey actually with Trabant because my personal, I didn't have personal car that time. And uh, we are driving very, very uh, good weather and we uh, enjoy our fellowship. But to have two Americans and one Bulgarian and he is driving, but East European dead air car, it's always fun. That's why we enjoy to stop and take this picture. Uh, uh, it, it was wonderful because I now looking this picture, see that I was not always fat. <laughs> I was only 71 kilograms. And we, after this stop with the beautiful Trabant was the fun which happened, but it's happened two times. During two trips, I will give you first. Uh, this was beautiful mountainous area. By the way, now it's the richest area with gold in uh, Balkan, and the uh, Canadians are getting enough, become very, very rich because there is gold. And we, after we pass the gold area, uh, discover that everything is okay until the engine of beautiful two-cylinder, two-tag, Trabant, die. Oh, no. And what a surprise. <laughs> well, sometimes it's surprise, sometimes it's challenge because we have fixed time for the seminar. When the, die, uh, the Trabi died, we discover there is benzene or they say different names in different states, but for us it's benzene. Mm -hmm. uh, there is electricity, but trap is not working. And that's why the very creative two Americans says, you sit 
in the car and will push. It was about five kilometers. Interesting story, but this speak about the commitment of uh, people coming from the other side of the world, the courage not to give up or to to make like that we need transport, but like themselves. hitchhiking. Yeah, no hitchhiking. Yeah, no hitchhiking. We are on our way. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord, everything finished well. So who was pushing the car and who was sitting in the car exactly? I was the driver. Okay. And and they were strong, big, the citizens of the greatest nation, but pushing the car. And this is how the team worked. Important <laughs> is the result. You were going to tell the other story about the, the, the window. Well, uh, five weeks later, we are with the same Travi, which was fixed. The engine problem was so small that if we knew what it is, we could fix ourselves. But next trip was uh, crossing the Balkan mountain with a very big uh, uh, difference in level. You Elevation. go over almost 3,000 meters and then from, from about 500 and then go down in the beautiful Valley of Roses. While that time we were only two, my dear brother Stephen and myself. And while we enjoyed to be in the Valley of Roses, suddenly something said, everything was in front of us, you cannot see anything. As a, as a window went, as a, those windows. The window shattered. Yeah. Yeah, the Whatever. windshield. So the windshield yeah. in front of you just completely shattered. That's why, praise the Lord, yeah. that we did not have accident, but Trump is not moving very fast, and we stop, clean this, and now we say we have no other option except to go and find a repairing shop. For our surprise, it was Friday, about lunchtime, people prepare to go, beautiful uh, autumn, to pick up tomatoes or to pick up uh, whatever is there, especially grapes. And Mm -hmm. we uh, going and going and driving. Well, it was not easy. Now, what surprised us was that Stephen, who is very spiritual, always have been very spiritual, (laughs) has sense about the spirituality and the presence of the God much better than me. He says, Nick, I have feeling that somebody is in the car. Somebody, we are only two. The wind is blowing because, no, 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 somebody is in the car. I slow down, turn, and I saw beautiful Duff is sitting comfortable on the back seat and is watching at us. A dove, a bird. A dove, yes. Yes, yeah, okay. dove. And he says, this is the Holy Spirit. God is with us. (laughs) Now, I, who am not that spiritual, said, no, this is dove. But how how we can help the dove? It is not dead. 
and mm -hmm. we little by little help the dove to go. Mm. But the spirit of the Lord was with us. God was <laughs> with us. And that's why if somebody says that the one Presbyterian background and one Baptist background does not have any spirituality, that's not correct because the Holy <laughs> Spirit was with us. Thank you, Stephen. Do you have any more to add to this story, Stephen? No, it was just that that, that when, when the window had, had shattered and broken or whatever, and then suddenly this dove flew in. We didn't we didn't we didn't realize what had happened, but it flew yeah. in. And then we then we heard this, you know, the, the dove warbling, singing in the back, you know, that as it because it was knocked out for one thing because of the, of the speed. Of, of oh. traveling and, and it hit, but it uh, came to consciousness and then was, and of course, was ready to go. <laughs> Actually, one thing I did not say clear the dove was not the reason that the right. wind chief the, uh, was broken. It was oh. later when well, it was more than 100 kilometers, maybe, were driving, maybe the dove. <laughs> Came, came sent as a messenger of God to be with us. My word. Okay, so you two have had some adventures. We have established that fact very clearly already. Let's go back to the beginning. And that trip happened in the early 90s, I believe you said. It's 92. 92. This okay. was 92. Okay, so let's back up to when you first met each other. How and when did you two... One American from Austria and one a Bulgarian. When and where and how did you meet? Well, um, earlier, it, this was 1978, and earlier there was uh, someone from our ministry from Campus Crusade at the time who mm -hmm. went to Bulgaria and with some wrestlers, and uh, they were meeting with wrestlers from uh, with uh, Bulgarian wrestlers, but also the director of our ministry used that as an occasion also to meet with some of the Christian, some of the believers. And it was then that he met Nick and the family that was there. And uh, a trip was arranged for Nick and three others to come to Poland. And we would have a, about three or four days together to uh, just basically was more to be more the basic or the core teaching of Campus Crusade for Christ at that time. And so we had those those days together. And yeah, it was really a special time. Uh, all of it was through translation. Nick didn't know hardly any English at the time. And uh, there was his sister-in-law was the one who she could speak English and she was our translator. And so we had a great time together. But in the midst of this, our time together, a colleague was also with me, and uh, every day, you know, we would meet in the mornings, and then in the afternoons, uh, we the people we would go to lunch. They would go to lunch, but we wouldn't go together. Why was that that you didn't go together to lunch? Well, because of the, the more of the security issues, because this was in the in 1978. Still, communism was still very much alive and well, and uh, you know, we were a little unsure of. Of how we should, whether we should relate to each other while we were in our, in free time, you know, going to a hotel, maybe going to the city and so forth. 
So anyway, we didn't do that. But what we did is that we separated. But then we would come back and then we would meet in the, in the late afternoons and evenings. They were actually sleeping at this. It was a Baptist church, small Baptist church. This one day we came back from, our, from having lunch. And lo and behold, in front of the, the meeting place, the church, there was a police car that was parked there. Two policemen were inside. And uh, we decided to wait until the police left. And, uh, but we waited and waited and waited and we were past our meeting time. And then finally, I, I said to my colleague and I said, you know, you remember the story, you know, about uh, Joshua instructing, being instructed to cross the Jordan and the priests were to, when they put their foot in the water, the waters would depart. And I said, you know, that passage has always meant a lot to me because it, it taught me a lot about faith. You know, that faith is something that is active. And so, so I said, you know what? I think, uh, I don't think the Lord brought us here to sit in a park. Let's just uh, take this step of faith and go. And at the very moment we rose from our bench, the police car pulled away. Well, you know, that was a, um, you know, some may call it a coincidence, some may, whatever they may call it, but for me at that time, it was something that the Lord did in a very special way to uh, show me the importance of exercising faith from the very beginning of the ministry in which I was involved. And uh, so we took that step of faith. We went in, the police were gone, had a great time together. And out of that time, it was decided that uh, hey, why not come to Bulgaria and we'll, we'll, we'll maybe take the next step and see what the Lord wants to do with uh, maybe some of the, the training that we had to offer then. And that that uh, four days or so in Poland, what was it that you were learning together or training? It was basically the, the some of the core teaching of crusade at the time, you know, God's love and forgiveness, how to be sure you're Christian, walking the spirit, just all those those. Um, or teachings that were characteristics of, of crusades training. And, and were there people at this event from other countries besides Poland and Bulgaria? No, the only people who were there were just uh, four Bulgarians and, oh. and two Americans. What do you remember about that time, Nick? One thing, I think I never told this, Stephen, but uh, it's time to, to speak the truth with love. That time was just preparation. Uh, we, we are traveling by, by very cheap trains and uh, we have to wait for our dates. They left and uh, we stay two days uh, later. And uh, Billy Graham Association were preparing don't forget, this was 1978, when uh, kind of opposition of uh, things were happen. And uh, Billy Graham Association prepare Billy Graham visit. And they also fix where he will speak. And uh, one thing I never mentioned, they invite me and Rumen, not the girls, to show us the church in uh, Krakow where Billy Graham will speak. 
and I say, do you want to see who is the, the biggest reason why Billy Graham is coming? And I say, I have no idea. I say, okay, let's go to Vavel. Vavel is the sitting place for the cardinal uh, who later became Pope, John Paul II. Oh. Now, he gave the blessing, and the two Bulgarians are there, and they invite us, and the Pope that time was uh, Cardinal Wojtyla, in allow us to get in, and not only, but he bless us. Now, why I'm talking this? That time, it was secret visit, and we should never say that we have seen the Cardinal from Krakow. Mm. After many years, when I was president of European Evangelical Alliance, and the Cardinal Wojtyla was already Pope John Paul II, I was asked to go and visit him because we wanted evangelicals in Little Italy to celebrate, to preach, to evangelize. The year 2000 is the year of Jubilee. But they have no access. And I was president of all the Protestants in Europe went there he was so kind to meet us and answer positively to a request of the evangelicals in uh, in uh, beautiful italy especially in the town of rome and mm -hmm. he gave me golden medal that time and i never told anybody because there was very strong anti-ecumenical and anti-Catholic movement in some places. Mm -hmm. But in 2001, Pope came to Bulgaria. And the, <laughs> yes, who was the first to invite him was were evangelical believers and the little Catholic. Catholic are much smaller, maybe three times now in numbers. He came, he was sick his physical condition was not good but uh, i have office that time in london and in stuttgart and in uh, geneva he saw me and he uh, people try to organize to keep distance not to transmit diseases he said no 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 in clear bulgarian he says i have to kiss him here because I met him so many years ago. Now, I did not remember about the first meeting. I remember the second meeting, the year 2000. But later, he gave me the medal again. And that's why I have two medals. Never make compromise. And he was very open, actually. Uh, he encouraged Catholics in Bulgaria to take part in evangelistic showing Jesus film and evangelistic campaign. The follow-up was to be done in Catholic churches, if they, there are not evangelical churches, and also coffee and cakes and the good things for refreshment, Catholic gave. Stephen, sorry, I did not become Catholic, but this was uh, something which uh, 
I want to tell you because you haven't been with me, but you invite us to be there. The first experience with Stephen, I met the future Pope. Met the future Pope. And when, when you say he said, I have to kiss you here, he kissed you on your forehead. Is that right? When Pope kissed somebody this way means that he has a reason. And I asked him why the year 2000, he was okay. And I asked him why he says, because you have, you are sl from Slavic country and I speak your language and you are evangelicals helping the little Catholic church in Bulgaria by giving them literature and distribute the Holy scripture. And I really want to show publicly that I respect you. Now, what I, how I can answer. I met several big, tall Americans in Krakow. And I was thinking, <laughs> if I have to become a spiritual, I have to grow up. But it's too late. I was, I was uh, not a basketball player or tennis player. But Stephen became one of my dearest person in my life. Yeah, Stephen is very tall, physically tall. But so after you two met um, in that in Poland, I mean, what were your impressions of each other or how did your friendship or your relationship continue to proceed? Well, you know, we had from that out of the meeting in, in Krakow, we had arranged a meeting that would be in actually Bulgaria in Sofia. And uh, Nick had, had suggested that he would bring together as many of the leaders that he knew in the country to have the opportunity to hear what we had just talked about in Krakow. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had a couple of days together, in, actually meeting in his home. And it was really a very uh, interesting time. It was uh, some of the, these brothers who were there, were, was, they had lots of questions for me, didn't always agree with me. And, and uh, it was pretty stimulating kind of time. But out of, that, out of that meeting, we just continued to say, okay, let's meet again. Let's meet again, let's meet again. And, um, and there was a group that, that Nick began to bring around him. There were about 10, 12 brothers that would come and meet plus some, some gals. And uh, we just began meeting and basically we were going through, again, I was with Crusade at the time and, uh, and, there were, and I'd have people who would come with me to travel and do different teaching on different topics and so forth. But during, but while we were doing that, because I was traveling in other countries, working with BEE at the time, and uh, I changed over from Crusade. And yeah, as I was using the courses and things in other countries, I thought, well, you know, maybe, maybe this could be of interest, you know, to the brothers there in Bulgaria. So I took a course down, the Galatians, the Romans course, and uh, well, let's just see what will happen. And, the, and it was translated and it was then began to be used in, small, in a small way. It, it was just sort of the, every time that I would go, we would meet, plan to meet, okay, that's two months later, three months later, whatever. Every, maybe three, four times a year we would get together. And, uh, but there was this transition that went on from what was doing with 
we were doing with Crusade, we shifted over to to the facilitating these courses. I think it's important to remember here that in the meeting in Krakow, there was another brother who was there. Nick has mentioned him. It was Ruman, and Ruman was someone who had a heart for possibly developing a publishing company in the country. And there was several, two other missionaries that I'd gotten to know and Nick had gotten to know, who we all sort of worked together on this, but, but one, of the, one of those brothers had a real desire to help to develop the publishing company. So Ruman was very instrumental along with this one missionary in developing a publishing company. It was all underground. But they were, but but they were developing the system for translating courses and other books and so forth, and um, and all the while, you know, there was we would translate, uh, we would have one course translated and another and another, and by 1989, basically when the the wall came down, we just say 1990, uh, this publishing company began to come out of the ground and it, it became much more um, active in, in finding good translators and, and, and beginning to translate more and more of the courses. So Ruman was a, a particularly very strategic in that as a, as a Bulgarian. So the long story short is that, at, that, that we began to really translate courses very quickly and when the Lord had provided funding and uh, and I know one of the questions that you've had in the past, what, you know, BE wasn't going to be working in Bulgaria. And uh, my boss, so Jody, Jody Dello, he was concerned about this because he didn't want to have the, like, the thought of raising another sum of money to from this small country that was down in the southern part of Europe. And I said to Jody, I said, you don't have to worry about a dime. I said, the Lord's got it all covered, you know. And so as time went on, as we needed monies, money was provided through different people, individuals, churches. And sometimes the, the, later on, there was a foundation that became very interested in the, in the country and really helped to provide the, the, the monies to be able to translate and print the courses that were, that were done. I don't know, it's been maybe 12 to 15 courses that were printed in the country. And what was the need that was being met? I mean, what was available to Bulgarian Christians prior to when you started coming there? Um, or what was not available? And why, was, why were these courses suddenly, like, why were they helpful or needed? Nick, I think you'd be probably better, best to answer that. A uh, story begin much earlier. Grace's father was the one who graduated American school in Bulgaria. And also he got converted and he was uh, asked, what do you think for the future? He says, I want to serve the Lord because there are not good literature. Some of the churches in Bulgaria, the largest churches have been strongly influenced by the liberal uh, theology. And he says, but they are people who need training and I will go wherever God showed me to go. He went to Dallas, Texas, because the person who 
invite him has relations with Dallas, Texas, but remember it was 1930, the beginning of the big depression. He already have university with one semester not finished. And that's why he was allowed to, to study there, but he could not get his diploma without uh, have university degree. They sent him to Whitton College, where for two years he completed uh, uh, what is necessary. And at Whitton College, actually, he decided that he need to be baptized, to have baptism by faith, because he was baptized as a baby. And he became part of the uh, college uh, church and also Bible church. He has classmate, roommate, the founder of uh, Tyndale Publishers. I just met his grandson and I met him, Mr. Taylor. Those people became during the communistic time one of the supporters using Slavic Gospel Association and several others. But when the father of grace returned to the country, he came with desire to start a program which will be informal because that time was not possible to talk for formal education. And uh, he, he uh, developed courses which were helping and distribute to the people in typewriter. And this was the first idea which during the communistic, when everything was restricted, uh, he was known that uh, he has team of people who are doing this kind of training, but informal training, which we came, was already uh, well known, not the system, but the kind of training. And that's why I will say God, orchestrate everything perfectly on the right time. Let's pause for just a brief intermission. I think I need to explain a couple of things that you've already heard and a little bit that's still coming up. So we're listening to a conversation between Nick Nedelchev of Bulgaria and Steven Olson, who's American and lives with his Austrian wife in Austria. As Nick talks about Grace, that's his wife, all right? Nick is married to Grace, and it was Grace's father who was that Bulgarian man who traveled to Dallas and to Wheaton to go to Bible college and seminary, and then returned to Bulgaria in about 1930, and really brought uh, Christian ministry training to Bulgarians, maybe for more or less the first time and in a non-formal or informal manner, which was the setup that Entrust began to use when Entrust showed up a few years later. So Nick is telling us that that non-formal training, the groundwork had already been laid for that kind of low-key, quiet training, especially under the Soviet regime. When Nick talks about the changes He's referring to the end of Soviet rule in Bulgaria and Eastern Europe, and basically the coming of freedom as of about 1989. And you hear a lot of references by both Nick and Stephen to BEE, 
or bee. It almost sounds like they're saying the name of a little bug, bee. But B-E-E was Biblical Education by Extension, and that was the early uh, name for this non-formal ministry training that was being taken into these communist countries secretly before the changes, as Nick says. So, having explained all that, let's get back to the story from Nick. After the changes, the groups grew up, and we had 18 groups with over 600 students in them. We are missing to have foreign missionaries, even after 1990, to come and live in Bulgaria. No one came. I mean, people were coming and living, but actually this motivate local Bulgarians to use 2 Timothy 2.2 and to put in practice. And, you know, I've always looked at the ministry of uh, BEE in the sense that, you know, God is, provides a season, a time where it's something that, that, that has a lot of fruit from it. But it also develops, uh, I think, in people in the country to where they will begin writing their own materials. They begin, they are learning different ways to teach. They're, it, it, it's been a, a catalyst in many ways for, as, as you see in Bulgaria now, there, there's so much more goes on besides what, what was BEE. As in other countries, there's a lot mm-hmm. that's going on that, uh, yeah, people will remember BEE but there's much more going on now because there's so many of these young men, women, are teachers, pastors, lay leaders, whatever, across the mm-hmm. country. So the main point of today was to hear how Nick and Stephen first met each other, which ends up was back in 1978 in Poland, and how that led to ministry training happening in Bulgaria to the point now where a whole women's training organization is running so smoothly that Entrust and BEE don't even know anymore how many groups there are, how many women are involved. It's entirely owned and run by Bulgarian women who are continuously equipping and training further generations of women to serve other women in the local church. Also, some of the early men that were trained by Entrust are now running their own training organizations completely, Bible schools, seminary level training across the country, and even training the people group that is known as the Roma. We sometimes erroneously call them gypsies, but the Roma people, leaders are getting ministry training as a result of those early days of training behind the Iron Curtain that Stephen and Nick were part of. We'll stop it for today, pick it up again next time with another adventure story with Nick praying, which in and of itself is quite (laughs) beautiful and also entertaining, I must say, and then some advice for us and for next generations coming up from these two seasoned men of God, followers of Jesus, and things they've learned through the years that we can learn from. So I hope you can join us again next time. Thanks so much for listening. We'll pick up the conversation next time with Stephen Olson and his good friend Nick Nadelchev telling about their heart-wrenching scare in a barred prison-like building in Bulgaria. Meanwhile, please consider this. Men and women are eager for ministry training now in many parts of the world. 
just as Nick and his Bulgarian friends were back in the day. Is God tugging on your heart to do as Stephen did? To take some risks and come alongside people like that? If so, get in touch. Go to www.entrust4.org. Click join us and fill out an interest form. That just starts the conversation. No obligation. That's www.entrust, the number four, dot org. We would love to dialogue with you. And join us next time for Entrust, Equipping Leaders.